I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Patrick Stevens is the bracketologist for the Washington Post. You can follow him on Twitter at D1Scores. So it looks like Discourse with a D and a 1. Go follow him on Twitter. Patrick, I guess let's start here. It feels like it's a tradition here in Memphis uh, as we turn the calendar to March. How safe is Memphis or how safe are they not? I think they're incredibly safe. In fact, you know, regardless of what you think about watching Memphis, when you look at them and their profile on paper, they're really one of the most boring teams out there. Like, their profile numbers, the, the six numbers on the team sheet, are all, the, are all between 26 and 35. Like, they are going to be somewhere between a 7 and a 10 seed come Sunday, one way or the other, uh, regardless, I think, of what happens in the American Athletic Tournament. Yeah, I, I think they're probably, like, about a 9 right now, and, Maybe if they pick up a few decent wins this weekend, maybe they can get themselves up to the seven line. But, but I think that it's that seven to ten range for them, and I don't think there's really much doubt. So even if they, like, let's say they lost, uh, I guess the worst case scenario would be they lose to SMU in yeah, the SMU AAC quarterfinals. Yeah, SMU beats UCF, and then they lose to them. They're, you yeah, still I mean, think that they're obviously, in. That obviously would, would not be good, but, you know, they're going to take 36 teams as at large selections, and if, if, you, if you took a look at some of the teams that we're, we're discussing <laughs> in that spot, you know, it, it, the story I like, you know, the, the joke I like to bring up is, you know, the two guys that are, you know, in the woods and they're running from a bear, and, uh, you know, the, the one guy says, we're never going to outrun this bear, and the other guy says, I don't have to outrun the bear, I just have to outrun you, you know? Yes. They're <laughs> going to catch Team 37, they're not going to catch Team 36, and I, I don't see a way that Memphis, uh, gets overtaken uh, regardless. I mean, I, I would be surprised even if they ended up in Dayton just based on, on what they've been able to accomplish. That Texas A&M win looks better and better. The Auburn win is certainly held up reasonably well. Now, even, a, even a game like at Vanderbilt back on the first day of the season has, has held up pretty well. And they've got this huge collection of quad two wins. Uh, and really, the worst thing they've done all season was lose by a point in overtime to Tulane, which you know, when you think about it, it's really not that terrible a thing to do. So overall, I mean, I, I, I don't really – Memphis is not a team I'm actually spending much time thinking about just because their profile seems as locked in as just about anybody at this point. Just there is, there is much in that 8-9-10 conversation as Houston is as a one. Like, that's just kind of where they are. Interesting. Patrick, I'm curious. You mentioned that. Right now you've got them bracketed uh, playing Missouri in Columbus as a nine seed. Uh, and would be in Purdue's uh, pod, if you will, as a one seed. Uh, I'm curious because I think ultimately my gut tells me they're going to end up similar position as last year, like an eight or a nine seed, and get bracketed with a one seed. How do you see the 
one-seed situation heading into conference tournament week. You know, I know UCLA's in the mix. You know, how safe are, you know, Alabama, Kansas, Houston? How do you see that playing out this week? What are the, I guess, stakes or scenarios this week in your mind with the one-seed line? Yeah, I think there's six teams that can probably still get to the one line at this point. Uh, I, I don't know if Arizona can do it, and I don't know if Baylor can do it or any of the other Big 12 teams. But Baylor, Kansas and Texas out of the Big 12, Purdue, UCLA, Alabama, and Houston are the teams that I think are in that mix. Um, you look at all those teams, uh, with the exception, I guess, of Texas, have a chance to be double champions of their respective leagues. Houston's metrics numbers are all in the top Four at this point, as are Alabama's. So it, it makes it hard for me to imagine either of them getting knocked out of there. I, I think Kansas, with its plethora of quad one wins, it has 15 of them. It is 15 and six in quad one games. It is 10 and 0 in its non quad one games. Uh, that's a team I don't see them getting knocked off. I think it's going to be UCLA, Texas, or Purdue for that last number one seed. And then the other two will probably be the top number two seeds. How vulnerable is Purdue right now? Well, I, I saw him here in the D.C. area a few weeks ago against Maryland, and that was in the middle of a stretch where it didn't seem like they could buy a win on the road. Uh, I, I think that obviously Zach Eady is having a fabulous season, and there is not a player that creates quite as many matchup issues as that seven foot four dude. But I think that their backcourt is young and a bit vulnerable. And I, I'm not entirely sold on them as much more than a team that can make it to the second weekend. I am also decidedly down on the Big Ten after having watched enough of that over the course of this season. Uh, I don't trust pretty much any of those teams to do a whole lot. I do think Purdue and Indiana will have the benefit of having the best player on the floor pretty much every time they take the court. But. Uh, you know, going 15 and five in the Big Ten, it looks impressive on paper. But I think there's a lot of good teams and very, very few, if any, great teams in the Big Ten. Purdue, obviously, being the closest to that. I think that they will create enough problems for people just with Edie to be able to make it through to the second weekend. But I could see the right eight or nine seed playing well, or, or seven or ten seed if it comes to that, playing well, being being able to say, okay. Edie, you go get your 25 and 16, and we'll shut everybody else down and take our chances. Because uh, I think that's really the best strategy is just to accept that he's going to get his, uh, but you can defend and game plan for pretty much everybody else on that roster. Curious your thoughts on three SEC teams. Let's start with Tennessee. You've got them as a three seed right now. Can, is ten, can Tennessee at this point play their way back into a two seed, or is it really just to, you know for them – maintaining that three, and could they slip below a three seed? They probably need some help from somebody, whether that's Arizona or, to a lesser extent, a Baylor or one of the other Big 12 teams. Uh, you know, what we've seen over the last few years is the, the conference tournaments haven't meant as much. Uh, and remember, too, most teams lose their last game. So if you're Baylor and you go off and you lose your last game to, say, a Kansas State or a Texas, that's not really going to hurt you that much. Can Tennessee play its way up still? Maybe, but the better question is, can they? Is Are they capable of doing yeah. it? And I'm not really sure that that seems all that likely right now. The injury issues, you know, that there's just – that's not a team that, that you know, bes- even besides like the this little stretch they had where they couldn't catch any breaks at the buzzer, 
Uh, it's just not a team that's playing as well as it did earlier in the season. And so, you know, I, I could very easily see them being a semifinalist in the SEC, getting a split and, and that being that or whatever it is. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to get much beyond that three line. How much does the selection committee factor in injuries when seeding a team? Seeding it comes into play a little bit. You know, I think selection, I think they've done a good job over the years of trying to base the overall base selection on the overall body of work and seating based maybe a little bit more uh, uh, subjectively, uh, you know, to try to take into account player availability and whatnot. So if you wanted to argue that, that Tennessee might get dinged a line because of that, it's certainly possible. Mississippi State, you've got them in as an 11 seed. Uh, how perilous, How are they hanging on? You don't have them as last four in at this point. Where, where's Mississippi State? What do they got to do at the SEC tournament to, to get in the tournament? Man, I'll tell you what. Like the, 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 the group of teams in the last six teams in the field, I mean, you really could shake them up mm-hmm. uh, and just roll them out in any sort of order that you wanted. So, it, it, you know, they, they have some work to do, I think is fair to say. Uh, as they as they head into the SEC tournament, and I'm trying to remember exactly who they play. I haven't quite gotten that far. They're in the Bama side of the bracket. Okay, so they, I think so they, they play, play Florida, maybe Florida. They play Florida, and then would play Alabama. I mean, I think it would be a good idea for them to beat Florida. Um, mm-hmm. I think if they play, if they beat Florida, and then you know, as long as they didn't get run off the floor against Alabama, I think they would be certainly in solid enough shape. I mean, when you look at their profile. Uh, you know, the, there's none of the metrics say they're awful. They're, they're all all six of those items on the team sheet. They are between 40 and 54. They're four and seven in quad one games, which isn't bad. It's not great. Uh, with a neutral site win over in Marquette, they won at Arkansas. They beat Texas A&M and TCU. They're three and three in quad two games. One of the best things they have going for them at this point is there's not a lot of bad things on that profile. They lost at Georgia in early January, and that's about it. You know, they have a respectable road record. They're four and six away from home, four and one on neutral courts. You know, they just they check enough boxes all the way through that when you look at them, you say, well, there's there's just not something to say. Well, well, this is really disqualifying. And so if they can go beat Florida, and that's a quad two game on a neutral four, and, and then, say, lose to Alabama, uh, I, I think that they'll be a team that gets in. Might have to go to Dayton, uh, but I think that that would be a team that would get in. Beat Alabama, and I think it's smooth sailing for the Bulldogs. You, you mentioned Vanderbilt earlier and how that win has become better and better for Memphis's profile. You've got them listed as next four out. Is there a scenario where Vanderbilt – doesn't have to win the SEC like they make it to the SEC championship game. Uh, you know, we saw A and M do that last year, fall short, and ultimately miss the tournament. Is that is Vanderbilt still in like you better win the tournament mode? Or I think they might be. I mean, but the interesting thing is, is they're they're like the they're they're sort of a unicorn this year. Where when you look at everything, you looked at everything a few weeks ago. There was basically like the the, the bottom fell out after you got about eight or nine teams outside the field. And not only that, when you started looking at the teams beyond that and you looked at their profiles and you, you tried to use even some level of imagination to think of a best-case scenario, it's like none of these teams can, can get there. You know, Villanova or Seton Hall or, or whoever, they weren't going to be able to get there. But Vanderbilt was the one that could, and they picked up a few more decent wins. And, and then they went and they lost at LSU, which, which was just a, a dreadful loss for them uh, a couple weeks back. 
I don't know that Vanderbilt can get into the at-large field, but I do know that they have an unusually interesting profile for a team that has a net of 82. Mm. Um, they have the Tennessee win. They won at Kentucky. They beat Arkansas. They beat Auburn. They beat Mississippi State. They beat Pitt, which is an interesting win. You know, they are a combined 9 and 10 in the top two quadrants. And when you look at those numbers on the team sheets, the result-based metrics mean more than the predictive metrics. And so the two result-based metrics for Vanderbilt have them at 40 and 52. The predictive metrics at 83, 81, and 70, which is kind of a nice way of saying uh, you, you, when you've lost, you've really, really lost, and you've won a fair number of close games. And, of course, when we think of Vanderbilt getting you know, blown out, we think about that game in, in Tuscaloosa, right? So you know, I think if you took that number out, they'd probably be a lot better off in all those predictive metrics. That said, I do think that they would make an interesting case if they were able to go rip off three in a row. I don't know if they could get there without winning the SEC title game, but they do have the potential to be the most interesting team in the entire country this week. What about UNC? They're kind of interesting, right? Uh, last, you've got them as last uh, first four out right now. Um, are they interesting or are they bad? I think they're both. Uh, I think they're more dysfunctional than anything else. Um, as, as somebody that watches more, more ACC basketball than I probably should at this point, you know, you watch them and, and they just haven't been right pretty much all season. And it, it's, it's just striking that, you know, even though, you know, everybody thought they were going to be good in large part because they won five games in a row last March, um, you know, it's sort of a reminder that maybe you shouldn't put a, as much stock in that small sample size, but nobody thought that they were going to be, 19 and 12. Like you, if they had simply been a second round team last year, people still would have thought they would have been better than this. Carolina is another one of those teams that has the benefit of having not messed up. Their average net loss is 39. Their the worst loss on their team sheet is arguably uh, a home loss to Pittsburgh or a road loss at Wake Forest, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, and so they are in a position where they'll get probably Boston College because it's hard to imagine Louisville winning a game at the ACC tournament later today. So Boston College, then Virginia, and then possibly Clemson or NC State or or somebody else, I I think that they would be really, really well served to win three games in Greensboro to give themselves a shot to, to make it into the tournament this year. There's not a whole lot for them to hang their hat on. They've got the home wins over Virginia and NC State, it's kind of amazing to be sitting here on March 7th and saying that the third best victory that North Carolina has is against College of Charleston, but it's true. And Charleston's really good, too. But for being in a power conference that, that's, and having all the opportunities that you have, that's not something you would expect. And so this is one of those reminders that every game counts. And so you go back and you think about that four-overtime game out in Portland over Thanksgiving weekend against Alabama. And if Carolina simply could have closed that thing out on a couple of occasions, how much different their profile would look simply by having that Alabama win. And, you know, I think that, that with, with where they're at now, there's definitely a lot of work to do in Greensboro in the next few days. Patrick, you mentioned watching Big Ten basketball and what a chore it's been. I've been doing a lot of it recently. How is Wisconsin? I feel, I feel, I feel for you, buddy. Uh, well, I gamble, so it, it helps. I feel mean, for you on that yeah, point, yeah. How is Wisconsin still alive? Uh, quality wins. That's how they're still alive. Um, and they're sort of, you know, we were talking about teams 
that that show up better in the result-based metrics. They're, they're sort of a, a version of Vanderbilt in that way. Um, they're six and seven in quad one games, five and five in quad two. So that's a lot of high-end wins. They've won at Marquette. They've won at Iowa. They won at Penn State, which is a team that they'd probably be compared to. In fact, swept Penn State. They beat USC on a neutral floor. I mean, they have a fair number of high-end wins. And maybe best of all for them, the worst thing on their profile is a home loss to Wake Forest, which isn't that awful. It's a quad three loss, but it's not the sort of thing that that really stands out. I mean, ultimately, they went out and played a really solid non-conference schedule. Uh, There's a few teams at the bottom of it to drag it down a little bit. Uh, but, but overall, like there's a lot of decent wins. And so, you know, we've seen teams get into the tournament at 18 and 14. And if Wisconsin got a split in the big 10 tournament, that's, that's what they would be. Now, you know, I think that they probably would be wise to win twice in, in this event. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out of market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.